And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, as we're here giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Looking for those new ways of living, the old ways don't work, all you have to do is look around you. And it uh, doesn't mean that there isn't room for improvement, there's always room for improvement. We're going to uh, really have a great time on the program today because we have a returning guest. Uh, he's uh, someone I really enjoy uh, speaking with and uh, finding out more about. Uh, um, and it is uh, Leonard Perlmutter, and he is our guest here on the program. It's, I think, at least his second time on the broadcast uh, as we talk about uh, a lot of the work that he's doing through the American Meditation Institute, which basically... For those of you who are joining us for the first time, it's uh, bringing yoga science to life. And uh, we are here. And thanks, Leonard, for joining us here on the program. I, I always enjoy our conversations. As do I, Richard. And I, and I deeply appreciate the invitation to come back. Well, you have, uh, and we're just going to go ahead and start out by talking about a special uh, event that you have going on. And a lot of folks are doing this these days. Uh, you also have a book as well, Your Conscience, and uh, it is your conscience, and it has to do with the keys to unlock uh, limitless wisdom and creativity and solve all of life's challenges. I, I, and I, I, I probably will share with this with you off air because it's a little, <clears throat> it's a little uh, uh, deep, uh, but I have a solution for all of life's problems. I really do. The only the deal is I guarantee you, you aren't going to like it. Nobody is going to like it, okay? So we're going to go with your solutions, all right? I think it's better to go with yours than mine, and I'll share you uh, with you mine later. But <clears throat> let's talk about uh, a special event that you have coming up in just about a week to 10 days. Well, it's going to be uh, on April 10th, and it will be from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Eastern Time, and it's entitled, How You Can Help Turn War Into Peace by Resolving Your Own Inner Conflict. Wow, that's pretty cool, uh, resolving your uh, own uh, conflicts within. I've heard it said, uh, Leonard, that someone was talking about this during uh, some rather tumultuous weather that was happening, not so much here on the Central Coast, but somewhere else, either in the country or in the world. And they said that we needed to look at that. We needed to understand that that storm, uh, whether it be Hurricane Katrina or whether it be even for that matter a, a volcanic eruption or whatever it is that you want to talk about on the in the external world in the outer world is nothing more than a representation of what's going on inside of many of us so what you're talking about is this isn't to say that we're responsible necessarily maybe consciously we're not necessarily consciously responsible for the wars that exist, but we are responsible in the sense that we have contributed our energies to it. Is that a fair assessment? I think that's absolutely precise. Uh, 
my mind is the problem, and yet my mind is the solution. Your mind is the problem. Your mind is the solution. And it's the same with uh, uh, Mr. Putin. His mind is the problem, and his mind is the solution. And so when humanity, in a cumulative sense, makes unskillful choices. In other words, our thoughts, words, and actions conflict with our own inner intuitive super conscious wisdom. Some people say that it's that intuitive library of wisdom that exists at the soul of humanity within the core of our being. When our outer actions conflict with our inner wisdom, that inner conflict then becomes the mother of all external problems. If I am able to ameliorate and reduce the conflict that exists in my own mind within the constellation of my personal relationships, if I can reduce that inner conflict in my mind, that will change my consciousness. And because my consciousness is the same consciousness within everything, it's the background of all reality. So by, by liberating my consciousness, I am liberating the consciousness of the planet. We're talking with uh, Leonard Perlmutter, and we're talking about, and I, I guess to sum it up, ladies and gentlemen, today's topic on this podcast, broadcast, videocast, is the mind. You have one, and I have one. And sometimes, not only, uh, Leonard, uh, do we have that internal conflict within ourselves, Many times, I don't know if it's most of the time, but many times, we have uh, discord amongst the minds. And there is, I'm trying to remember who it was, uh, a psychologist, I think it was, who said, uh, who made the reference to the fact that there is only one mind in the universe and that we're all connected to it. So we've, we've got multiple dynamics going on here at the same time. That's right. And so when I have a relationship that triggers my ego or senses or unconscious mind in ways that are threatening, you're not acting as if I would act if I were you. I am not receiving the fulfillment of my desire. This is not what I had expected. So when I am in those kinds of relationships, my mind is triggered. And when my mind is triggered, the ego, the senses and the unconscious mind for most of humanity are the strongest voices, the loudest, the most pushy voices in the unconscious mind. Now, the conscience, which is another function of the mind, is the only function that can make a decision. 
Every single choice you and I have ever made or ever will make or anyone will make is always made by the conscience. But if my ego senses an unconscious mind are creating havoc by this noise and insistence that, that we do everything their way, then the conscience will not be able to hear the whispers that come from the superconscious portion of the mind at the core of our being. And instead, will be forced simply to rubber stamp the loudest voice it can hear. So if the ego senses an unconscious mind in my mind are loud and pushy, and that renders my conscience incapable of reflecting superconscious wisdom, then there's a very good chance that my conscience is going to choose the limited perspective of my ego, my senses, my unconscious mind, and that's going to bring about the consequence of further external pain. Mm -hmm. My job, when I have a relationship that triggers my mind, my first and foremost responsibility is to examine my own mind. Where is there conflict in my mind that is disallowing me to be a prophet of love in this circumstance? Mm -hmm. You know, the outer world also draws us in to uh, the, the discord within. And I'm going to use a, uh, the first example that, that is the most current. <clears throat> and, and I will tell you that, that I'm not going to say I have mixed emotions about this. I'm not in conflict about this, but I ponder this. I, and I put this out for conversation. Um, shall we call it... <laughs> Somebody else may have already used this term. We'll call it the Will Smith incident. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've heard of it. I saw it. I listened to the words that were said. I listened to what I perceived of as an apology uh, and a recognition that, hey, you know, I, I really screwed up and I'm just doing the best I can. And I asked then the question, I asked for the pondering on this, is, is, is this an act of chivalry protecting one's mate, one's spouse, one's partner, uh, or is this uh, an act of what has been decalled toxic masculinity? Uh, and again, there was the recognition and the acknowledgement that uh, he went off with his emotions first. And um, granted that the other gentleman, uh, uh, Mr. Rock, uh, Chris Rock, did not know of the conditions of Will's wife, you know, and so forth before saying what he said. And initially, when one heard the comment he made, I'm thinking, what's the big deal? But do you dig deeper? What's Will going through? What's happening with him? And so he did what we all tend to do. We react. Why? Instead of act. Why? Yeah. Because I have not trained my mind yeah. to be detached from the stimulus of that the, every relationship presents. Yeah. 
I have developed an addiction for the reactionary mind. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're talking about, folks. Is the so mind. I'm 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 enslaved. Yeah. I think I'm free. Yeah. To do what I need to do, but, no, but really, no. yeah. I am a puppet enslaved to the habit patterns of my own mind. That's yeah. it's it's a, a very interesting and and uh, a perplexing situation to be in. We're continuing our conversation here with Leonard Perlmutter. He has a book. It's called Your Conscience, and we're going to continue that conversation here, talking about the mind on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's always a pleasure uh, to have uh, Leonard on the program, Leonard Perlmutter. He, he has a website. It's called the AmericanMeditation.org, AmericanMeditation.org, for the American Meditation Institute, or AIM, and... Uh, Ami, <laughs> A-M-I, <laughs> and uh, uh, we are um, uh, we're talking about the mind and its influence on our body, on our emotions, on uh, or lack thereof. Sometimes, mm -hmm. I myself am uh, dealing with my own internal. I guess you could call it a conflict. It's something I've never ever experienced before in this lifetime. Maybe in previous lifetimes, but not this one. And so it's new, it's fresh, it's, it's different. And that experience that many people have already had is that um, I come from a family of six children and two parents. And our family has shrunk from the passing of my eldest sister, Jeanette. And for probably the foreseeable future, I will dedicate each one of these programs to my sister who brought love and laughter and being the eldest sister was just, she was there for us all. And, um, you know, I sometimes wish that uh, I had been a better big brother to my younger brother and sisters, but I was the big brother I was. And so, you know, that there you go. Mm -hmm. And she was the big sister that she was. But she leaves us with a great legacy of not only her husband, but her daughter and grandchildren, two grandchildren. So the legacy continues. And I asked her one day, and it was very a very conscious question I asked her, are you ready? Because it was cancer that took her life. And she said yes and no. I thought, okay, no, because she didn't want to leave her husband alone. But from a spiritual perspective, from an emotional, mental and emotional perspective, she says, yeah, I'm ready. And I was, I, I, I was glad to hear that. I, who am not terminal, at least not with a particular disease that's been labeled, I'm, I'm alive, ergo I'm terminal. <laughs> One day I will die. That's right. I'm ready. I'm ready today. Uh, how about you, Leonard? Are you, are you ready today if today was your day? You know, I don't believe that any of us can say unless and until we are in that moment mm. what the situation will be. True. That's why it's so important. It's so critically important to train the mind mm. to be ready if and when that situation arises. When that becomes the relationship, am I going to be skillful? Am I going to not be skillful? Yeah. 
I know that a lot of people are afraid. I get asked the question on, on occasion, uh, what is there after this? And, and I will tell them honestly, first of all, I don't know. I don't know. As far as I know, it could be lights out. And if it is, <laughs> I'm not going to know. Well, well, yoga science tells you, gives us a lot of clues yeah. that, that a portion of us continues, yeah. you see. Yeah. The unconscious portion of the mind is considered semi-immortal. But see, that's or where my mind kicks in. That's mm -hmm. where my mind kicks in and says, it doesn't make any sense to me. And this is not ignoring what you're saying about yoga science. Uh, because I've, I've read, uh, like, for example, Autobiography of Yogi and many others, uh, books dealing with yoga science. In my mind, it doesn't make any sense that it's lights out with what we go through in this lifetime as we are alive and sentient and, and experiencing and loving and crying and so on and so forth. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not logical. That's my mind telling me this. Mm -hmm. And so from that standpoint, I can share, look, um, from my perspective, from my, and again, I do have to say beliefs because the only difference between a belief and, and, and knowing is that now I know. But I can say I know only for me. But it's all based upon conjecture. It's all belief that there is something more beyond this. That we, you, Leonard, and I, Richard, we are immortal. That part of us that inhabits this vehicle is immortal. I do wonder what my sister is doing today or, or the, I'll say, entity or spirit that was my sister or is my sister. Um, she's still around. I've been through what they call life between lives therapy where I go into hypnosis and it took me to my last life and then into that space between the end of that one and the beginning of this one. Fascinating. Dr. Newton was the gentleman. And I know yoga science talks about this as well, that there is more. Uh, I choose. Well, we, we live, we live in our habit patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Both here and hereafter. Yeah. So where is your sister? Where are these who are unembodied? Because you see the body has a birth and a death. Yes. And I have a body. But I am not the body. Correct. Yes. So death is merely the conscious mind, the breath, the body, and the senses falling off. Mm. They are subject to change. The unconscious portion of the mind, everything that we deem essential to self-preservation, all of these memories that are so dear to us and the anticipations and imaginations that we hold uh, uh, close to us, mm -hmm. that continues. Why? Because conflict that exists in the unconscious mind here at a certain point in a certain form must be and is destined to be resolved. Mm -hmm. So wow. when death comes and the conscious mind, the breath, the body, and the senses fall off, the unconscious still connected to that droplet of the ocean of consciousness goes into a rest state. 
You've talked about three different levels here, the conscious, the subconscious, and the unconscious. Well, subconscious and unconscious synonyms. Synonyms. Okay. All right. So there are really only two then. So there's the, the conscious and the subconscious or uh, well, there's also the superconscious. Uh, that was the third one. I'm sorry. That was the third one, the superconscious. <clears throat> and then there is what is referred to as consciousness. Mm -hmm. Is there a difference between those three elements and then that one? Or is it all kind of speaking of the same, shall we say, attribute or element that makes us who we are? All those attributes are contained in consciousness okay in me mm. in me in me everything is appearing in me pure consciousness wisdom bliss and fullness having a human experience in time and space through a mind body sense complex mm. Leonard Perlmutter is my guest, and we are talking about the mind, and we're talking about our, our conscience, uh, as well as our consciousness and superconsciousness, and we'll talk about that in the relationship to the divine and how our minds function here on earth, here in this physical world, in this physical plane, and, um, and, and then what, what, what happens to all of that information? We'll find out more as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And I have to, I have to say that I've been in a little bit of a conflict. It's only been, as you and I are speaking here, Leonard, it's been barely 24 hours since I received the news. It was the 29th of uh, March, the morning thereof, that I was told she passed. I'm sorry for your loss. And, uh, well, you know, what's interesting is the conflict has to do bet is between the emotion, my emotions and my mind. Mm -hmm. My emotions, when I try to process them, I'm not sure what I feel. My mind then comes into play and says, why aren't you crying and bawling and carrying on? Your sister's dead. Now, by the way, Bernie Siegel got on me in an interview when he was sharing about his wife and when she had died, and I made the comment about, so um, do you hear from your wife now uh, after she transitioned? He says, what do you mean transitioned? She died. Why can't we say the word die? Dead. You know, because that's what happens. And so I try to, I try to honor him by saying, okay, my sister died. <clears throat> or I should maybe more accurately, her physical body died. It stopped there functioning. Go. There you go. Uh, but my, my mind and emotions are in a conflict with each other because the, the emotions are not sure what to feel. And I've been told, you know what, Richard, don't worry about it. Just feel whatever you feel. You don't necessarily have to process it. Just go ahead and feel it. And then the mind is going, why aren't you feeling this way or that way or the other way? And whether you deal with, you know, the various phases of emotion, as Elizabeth Kudler-Roth talked about or not, uh, you know, it's like, I don't have those, I, I, and, and, and you know what, I've been told it's okay. I don't have that heavy feeling over the loss. Yeah, it's, I, can t I can still talk to her, and she can still communicate with me in some fashion. I just have to quiet down and listen. So 
When she left her body, what happened to her mind and all that intellect, all that education, all, all of that? The, uh, she was a musician. She played the French horn. Uh, as a young girl with asthma, this woman, she played the French. She was second chair in the Scottsdale Symphony Orchestra. That's impressive. That's how good she was. I still remember hearing uh, her practicing down the hall from, from us in, in the small, maybe twelve or 1,300 square foot, three-bedroom, one-bathroom home <laughs> with eight people. Okay, so you can kind of get an idea. But so where does all of that go? Well, nothing is ever lost. You okay. see. Nothing is ever lost. And so, as I mentioned, we live in our habit patterns, both here and hereafter. Mm -hmm. And after the, after the experience of death, where there's separation of the conscious mind, the breath, the body, and the senses, mm -hmm. then the unconscious, still connected to consciousness, goes into a rest state very similar to the rest state that you and I have every evening. And consciousness, because consciousness is simply awareness, no longer has a body, mind-sense complex through which to experience. Mm. But consciousness can still be aware of the contents of the unconscious mind. So just like just like it is at night. Mm -hmm. We call that dreaming. Mm -hmm. And some of the dreams are very pleasant. Yeah. And some of them are That's, frightening. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. mm -hmm. Memories. So, yeah. Memories. And what about memories? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Anything that we deem essential that, yeah. that we're attached to is in the unconscious mind. So in in the sleep of death, consciousness take small little snippets from the mind, from the life just lived, strings them together like a little film strip, yeah. plays them back in a little soap opera, and consciousness experiences heaven. Uh. And then takes, then consciousness takes some other little frames so to speak, of content from the unconscious mind, strings those together in a little soap opera, plays those back, and consciousness experiences hell. Mm, mm. But both heaven and hell are not eternal. So at a certain point of restfulness for the mind, the unconscious portion, which now exists in the hereafter, at a certain point of restfulness, latent unconscious forces become, start to gravitate, gravitate, gravitate to the active unconscious. The active unconscious is that portion of the unconscious that becomes conscious like when we're cut off in traffic mm -hmm. and that unconscious force jumps into the conscious mind mm -hmm. and we are consciously aware of anger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the unconscious forces that are seeking resolution of inner conflict need what to resolve it? 
They need a form that can take an action that can resolve that which is resolvable. So it is those karmas, those forces of the unconscious mind after the restfulness of the sleep of death that choose the birth mother, the birth father, the time, and the epoch that in which to be born that will best enhance that life with the opportunity to resolve that which is resolvable. And that is called reincarnation. We're talking with Leonard uh, Perlmutter. We're talking about the mind today. The website for you to go to to find out more about Leonard and the work that he is doing through the American Meditation Institute is AmericanMeditation.org. And of course, as with our last interview, we will be linked to that website. We'll have that up so that you folks can go there and find out more as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and um, the subject of the mind is fascinating, uh, especially when we start getting into these realms. And ladies and gentlemen, uh, and even Leonard, I'll, I'll, I'll put this to you as well uh, in terms of what I'm going to say. We set this interview up maybe a week or two weeks ago. All right. And this is interesting. It's fascinating to me how the universe works. And I've said on this program time and time and time again, the universe asks the questions. I'm just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. Well, the universe also synchronizes the setting up of these interviews I had no idea when we set this interview up that my sister would pass and we would be, she would sort of be the, the subject of our conversation. But I am so thankful for that gift that she has given me to be able to draw that into our conversation. Let's talk a little bit about that. Now, we talk about the super conscious. That, that is what is connected to what we would call maybe the divine, the higher self. Am I accurate in that respect or close? It is okay. the higher self. So It is the yeah. higher self. So here we are, you and I, we're communicating via email or we're on the phone or Zoom and we're saying, hey, let's, uh, you know, let's set this up for such and such a date, such and such a time. And let's, what do you want to talk about, Leonard? Well, let's talk about the mind. So between now and then, life happens in the outer world. That's right. And gives us, I'll call it, it gives us the fodder for conversation. Yes. That we didn't even know existed when we set the interview up. We just said, we're going to talk about the mind. Yes. You know? And it could have been very esoteric, could have been very clinical, but we're able to bring it down to practical application because life's been happening since we scheduled the interview and here we are in our conversation. Talk to us about the superconscious aspect and that synchronicity uh, that is something that even in this lifetime we can really tap into. And, and I'm not saying move through our lives without challenges, but move through our lives and those challenges with a conscious awareness that elicits action, not reaction, where we're no longer that slave. Well, the challenge for us really, on some level, begins with the notion 
that we believe that we are separate. And no doubt we are limited because of the limitations of our brain and senses. Uh -huh. And we define everything through those two vehicles, our, our brain and, and our senses. And what does that mean? How does that play out? Well, it plays out in the fact that we, humanity, have created time. Past, present, and future. It's not true. Time doesn't exist. But as Shakespeare says, thinking makes it so. Mm. So we think that something happened two weeks ago. We think that something happens now. We think that something is going to happen in the future. But everything happens in the now. Everything, past, present, and future, exist simultaneously. And each individuated aspect of that one has certain needs. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, when the passing of a, of a dear sister, a dear sibling exists, if that individual is in need of a conversation to discuss and make sense of that, that will appear because that is what is needed. That which appears does not happen to us, it happens for us. Now, sometimes that's easy to take, and sometimes it's annoying. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, however, even the annoying aspect is a teacher, right? Yeah. Possibly yeah. teaching us what not to do, how not to act in the world. Well, I've had uh, examples of that in the outer world by other people. And right. it was the hardest thing for me to say, to say out loud. And it was interesting how my inner voice was saying, Richard, you, you got it in your mind. Now you have to say it out loud. And I know that that first word, it sticks in your craw because you do not want to give that person the title of teacher. But you have to because that person is a teacher for you and for everybody else who observes them. So I had to say, thank you, teacher, for teaching me how not to behave. Uh, that's a tough one. I want to talk a little bit about perception, okay? Sure. Uh, perception when it comes to the mind, when it comes to uh, uh, super consciousness, consciousness and the subconscious and so forth. Um, early in my career, whenever we would go out on a remote at this one radio station, my boss told me perception is everything. So when you go out and you set up that display table for the radio station and set up the equipment and so forth, make sure that it looks the very best that you can make it because perception is reality. That's right. And <clears throat> the, the interesting thing though is that perception may be reality but everybody's perception of that same external thing is going to be different. Why? Because we're because of our because of our perceived past programming? Well, that's right. That's right. That's 100% correct. Our perception is skewed 
by our conception, which are stored in our unconscious mind. Ah. So I don't really see the world. I see my mind projected into the world. Yeah. That's why I say this is good and that is bad. We, we, we choose to believe there is duality uh, because of, of that. And so that's, that's right. what we create. I have actually gotten beyond the concept of duality to recognize that it just is what it is. Uh, in the universe, you see stuff moving around. You see supernovas exploding, uh, asteroids crashing into this, that, and the other thing, uh, things spinning and turning. And there is no judgment out in the universe. The universe, uh, the asteroids and the supernova, they're not going, oh, my God, this is terrible. It's The, the planets explode. There is no judgment. It, it's just being what. It is. And on the molecular level, it's the same thing. And yet here we are at this level where you and I are. And we, because of our past programming, we are passing judgment. And I've gotten to All the All right. So that. now yeah. when I am in relationship mm -hmm. and part of that programming, which conflicts with my inner superconscious wisdom, mm -hmm. when it comes forward into my conscious mind, if it's a priority for me, which it is for me, mm -hmm. I know this is an opportunity to update my mental software. Aha! Uh -huh. And that's what I've been doing when it comes to death and dying. I, I, I say this gently to people that death and dying is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Not because I've experienced it necessarily. Well, well maybe. you have. It, well, you in, have in previous every lives. Every day, well. the body that you call your body okay. is not the same today that it was yesterday. True. That is true. That and, is absolutely and true. Constantly, constantly changing. That is true. Fact, you every are... cell within a year virtually changes. Yeah. So, so who are you? Yeah. The body is a process. Yeah. Who am I, not who was I? That's right. Or who I, who will I be? But when I when I look at all of that, uh, I loved what uh, one of our slogans here on the program is: giving people choices and knowledge of those choices to help make their dreams come true. And of course, there's that that phrase that goes: uh, all of the choices that you've made in the past have brought you to where you are today. All right, and that's a truism. All right, yeah. we could go into perception all that stuff, but we don't need to because. Uh, it's that's just your perception is what has created you making the choices you've made that have brought you like you and I here to do what we're doing here. And all of the choices we will make from this point forward will place us in the future, five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever, um, where we will be because of the choices we've made up to that point. But I loved what one of my guests said years ago. They said, OK, that is true. But try this one on for size. Your perception of what you, your perception of the future will determine what choices you make today. And so you've got people, preppers, who are, their perception of the future is Armageddon. It's the end of the world. It's nuclear holocaust. And so they're digging holes in the ground like the what squirrels. If I were, what if I were to tell you that there is no future? Well, uh, you know, uh, but again, we're, that, we're dealing with that's people's a, that's perception. That's a concept. That's a that's concept. A concept. That's true because that's it's right. still time. It's still dealing that's with time. That's why I perceive it because right. it's a concept. Right. But I say that it's a faulty concept because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. There's doesn't nothing exist. out there. We're not There's there. No 
Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, and whatever's not going to happen is not going to happen. The only right. thing that is true is now, this yeah. moment. Yeah. So my job in every relationship is to bring yesterday and tomorrow into today. Mm. And then my job is to bring today into now. Mm. Now, at this auspicious moment, what is the thought to think, the word to speak, and the action to take that will be in alignment with my super conscious wisdom that will enable me to fulfill the purpose of life without pain, misery, and bondage. Leonard Perlmutter is my guest. His website, AmericanMeditation.org. We're talking about the mind. It has to do with your conscience. That's the title of the book that uh, we talked about in our last interview. You can go to YouTube and you can watch that interview as well. And any of the other interviews that we've done over the last few years. Uh, it's really kind of exciting. I think I'm up to over 230, maybe 240 videos up on YouTube these days, Leonard. And it's really mm -hmm. been a lot of fun as we continue here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan and I'm here with Leonard uh, Perlmutter to talk about the mind and talk about the conscious, super conscious, the conscious unconscious or uh, subconscious and the superconscious in reference to our consciousness and our awareness. Uh, and uh, we've talked about perception. Uh, we've talked about making choices and the reality. And again, we're now talking when we speak of reality, uh, this world is not reality because it's all made up of energy. Okay. The physical world isn't real. That's not the reality that we're talking about. We're talking about the reality of that essence that we are, that has no name, and doesn't even have a number, uh, that is part of, as you described it, uh, connected to that drop of water in the vast ocean of what is real. So thousands of years ago, women and men, just like you and I, who were having conversations like this, mm -hmm would quiet down, close their eyes, come into the cave of the heart and offer a prayer. O oh, inner dweller, lead me from the unreal to the real. Lead me from the darkness to the light. Lead me from death to immortality. And the reality is that we are right now, immortal. We will live forever, but we are not the but body. Actually, we are three. We are three. We are three. We are mortal. We are semi-immortal and we are immortal. These are the, this is the anatomy of the three selves. We are mortal because we identify with the mind, body, sense complex, mm -hmm. which is subject to change and death. So we are mortal, but we are semi-immortal because the unconscious transits time and space and exists in the hereafter. Mm -hmm. So that's semi-immortal. Mm -hmm. And that is me too. Yeah. But because the contents of the unconscious mind change, they are not immortal. But what is aware of the mortal and the semi-immortal is immortal and that is consciousness. Mm. 
I want to ask you uh, about um, another realm here uh, that, and to me, it was kind of fascinating uh, when I went through that uh, LBL experience. Uh, I was fully aware of what was going on. I was never led anywhere. <clears throat> the questions would, would be phrased as such as, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you tasting, smelling? Uh, who is around you? Is anybody around you? Okay. So it wasn't, uh, do you see this? Do you hear that? Do you? No. So the, 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 the practitioner was very careful. And um, I, I had such a great feeling for the previous life prior to this one in that um, it was similar to this one in that I'm not, I'm not a rancher, I'm not a farmer per se, but where I live, we have a greenhouse and we have wide open spaces and big trees and so on and so forth. And I love being up in nature. I love, and, and quite honestly, it's not a question, I, and I, 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 that's a perception that when I leave the city, I, am, I, I go up the mountain and I'm now back in nature. Well, you never left nature, no matter where you are. You're in nature, okay? Exactly. exactly. It may be paved over with concrete and asphalt. It's still nature. Mm -hmm. that's, you know. That too is nature. Yeah, it really is. Because it's made up of those elements that they took out of the ground and they mixed a little bit together with this and that and the other thing. Space, air, fire, water, earth. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, but I, what I want to ask you about is this connection that people talk about with the universe. Uh, some would say the, the connection they have with Mother Earth, you know, with, with the natural world, the trees and the plants and the animals and so forth. I mean, I've had, I don't know about you, but I've had ex rather fascinating and exciting experiences with not just uh, chickens, which are eh, semi-domestic, dogs and cats. I've had an experience with a bear, not uh, firsthand in terms of you know, touching and feeling and what have you, but in the close proximity to, to where the bear finally looked up at me and got annoyed and said, look, you know, I'm trying to enjoy a meal here and you're really pissing me off, so I'm out of here and took off down the road. But they, they have this connection and this communion with right. what we refer to as the natural world. We could expand that to say with the universe. They say that you can hear the hum of the planet, if you can find a really quiet place, probably maybe out in the middle of the ocean somewhere. I don't know if you could hear it up on Mount Everest, but what about, what about that aspect of our, our physical bodies and we're trying to quiet everything down in order to make that connection, that contact and have that communion? Why you're defining meditation. <laughs> Hello, American Meditation Institute. <laughs> That's right. You're defining meditation. That's right. The journey without movement. Is there a goal? Is there something to be achieved through meditation? Yes. There is. Yes. And that is? Meditation does something that nothing else does. It introduces us to ourselves. It's part of the reason why we talk about the perfect, the, the decade of perfect vision, formerly the year mm -hmm. of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we ask people to go within. Mm -hmm. I, I, don't ever, I have never really used the word meditation in the context of, of, of that, 
But we ask people to go within, sit quietly in that quiet, peaceful, calm, still place. You want to pray? Pray. Uh, you want to do the rosary? That That's fine, too. Whatever it is that... But try to sit quietly and let the thoughts of the mind... I, I remember uh, someone telling me, that you've got to tell the mind to be quiet. You've got to shut the mind down. And I say, why, why would you do that? Why not make friends with your mind and say, look, uh, for the next 5, 10, 15 minutes... Could you kind of go over here and just, you know, tone down the volume just a little bit so that I can come over here and I can get to know who I am better. And, and when I'm done, when I'm done, I'll come back because I'll have new information, new experience that I can share with you and, and make, it, make it a collaboration where you're working together, not against each other. Someone uh, once said that uh, all the problems and troubles of the world have been caused by the human being's inability to sit quietly by themselves. Mm. Mm. We are addicted to those mental thoughts that lead us out through the eyes, the nostrils, the mouth the ears, the hands and the feet. We are addicted to going outside. It's very analogous to the Big Bang Theory. It's evolution, mm -hmm. where we continue this journey out in search for happiness, security, and health. However, once we arrive at a certain point in this trajectory of evolution for this particular individual, where all the desires seem hollow, mm. then we begin a turn inward and we begin going within, seeking within, finding the truth within. That is involution, that involutionary journey. Interesting. That, the, the, that's the, meditation. Yeah, the phrase from Star Trek comes to mind, uh, space, the final frontier. No, that's not the final frontier. Right. It's what you just described, that inner world and getting That's to right. know self. Mm -hmm. And would you say that there are times in this world, in this body, uh, in those times when we want to get in touch with the real, uh, real, the real us, the real me, the real you, mm -hmm. that it can be, uh, it can be a little unnerving. It can be a little scary because there are things that have happened in our lives that have programmed us to be a certain way and to behave a certain way and so forth. Uh, but that we need to face those. You talked about light and dark. Uh, I like to use the word shadow because even, even dark or shadow is the absence of light, that the light is being blocked by something. And we need to take a look at that something so that it can then go away, dissipate. There's a lovely quote. And let me just read it to you. Mm -hmm. It's from your conscience. It's from Joseph Campbell, the mythologist who passed a few years ago. And he says this, a bit of advice given to a young Native American at the time of his initiation. As you go the way of life, you will see a great chasm. Jump. It's not as wide as you think. <laughs> I'll add uh, just a little bit to that. And when you jump, you jump 
and you trust. Ralph, do you remember uh, uh, that uh, there was a movie? Uh, I can't remember uh, uh, the name of it. Sean Connery was in it. Uh, it was a series of, of, uh, of movies. Uh, he played an ar archaeologist. Uh, uh, does that ring any bells? Oh, I think you're thinking of Indiana Jones and he was Indiana Indian's, Jones. Indiana's yeah. father. The very first one. Yeah. The very yeah. first uh, one where he was running in a cave for his life because there was this huge ball right. of, of stone yes. that was rolling, rolling closer, about to kill him. And he finally came to the mouth of the cave and there was a great abyss that was in front of him and there was certain death that was in back of him. And in that movie, Indiana Jones had faith and trust and he stepped out into the abyss. And what met his foot? Earth. Yeah. And yeah. he got out. I remember that now. I remember that. Beautiful scene. Yeah, it, it really was. Trustful uh, surrender to yeah. divine providence. And there's another movie, and this just sprang to mind in terms of uh, uh, getting a handle, meditating, and of course the conversation we've had about the mind, uh, having to do with uh, dualism, if you will, as well, throwing mm -hmm. all of that into the mix. It was City Slickers. It was the first one. And they were the three gentlemen were out riding. And the conversation was struck up about my best day. What was your best day? What was your best? You know, and they, they would talk about that. Oh, yeah, well, when my kid was born, that was my best day. And I remember in 1993, I was uh, going camping with some buddies, three, two other gentlemen who... Uh, I had started this men's movement, and these guys were the only two that, that came along, and so we were together. At that time, I was the only married one. The others were divorced. <laughs> but we were reading from uh, Robert Bly's uh, Iron John, and it was nice, but we said, you know, we got to do more than this. So we started hiking. And I helped the older gentleman to refurbish his fiberglass boat in my driveway, and we put the boat on the truck, and we went up to a place called Woods Canyon Lake. And... Um, the morning that I woke up, he had to go back down to uh, Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale for appointment. So I thought, I'm going to make some breakfast. I'm going to clean the camp up. And then I'm going to take that boat that I helped to refurbish. I'm putting that sucker in the lake. And, I'm, and I went up and down the lake. And then I came back and made a rather large fire for one hot dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then the other guy came up while we were waiting for the older gentleman to come back from Scottsdale. And he brought with him this big old pot, and he had this bone-in ham and pork and beans and a bottle of Jack Daniels and a case of beer. And we went through the evening and just really enjoying ourselves. We were going nuts with the alcohol. And the next morning I woke up and I thought, that was my best day. And I'm telling you this because I had an entire month where each day after that was my best day. Now, I've had days like that even now that I'm 61, headed for my 62nd uh, birthday uh, in a couple of months. And there are days that I am just jazzed, just elated and excited. Um, I, I had one day where every hour on my calendar was filled with something. And I remember looking at it at the beginning of the morning going, oh, my God, I'm going to. 
oh, Lord, this is unbelievable. But at the moment I got into the now, into each of the moments of each of those hours, it didn't matter. I was having a blast. That's right. I was in that zone. Anytime we're engaged in any type of activity that we love, the energy of the mind is automatically focused down to one point. And I am only aware of bliss and fullness. I'm no longer even aware of myself. Hmm. But what meditation does for us, it doesn't doesn't need any object of loving that will cause the mind to do that. I don't need the book. I don't need the movie. I don't need the woman. I don't need the man. I don't need the dog. I don't need nature. If I start to go within, I experience the core of that. And you folks are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan. I'm here with uh, Leonard Perlmutter. And Leonard, we are fast approaching the end of our conversation for today. Uh, but I am looking forward to having you back on a regular basis to well, I talk, am too. talk about many, many different aspects of our lives, whether it's in this world or, as we say, the next. I, I often have to uh, say to myself, you know, there is no other side or what have you, because we're all existing in the same if I can put it in this context, and I say this metaphorically, in mm-hmm. this we're all living in this space and time as the immo- the immortal, the immortal superconsciousness, if you will, or superconscious being that we are that inhabits this body that activates that that motivates it and so forth. Uh, so I look forward to having you back again. But I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. As have I. I do want to ask you those three proverbial questions that I've asked you already. The answer might change, and that's fine. It may be the same. Uh, I have, <laughs> and I, maybe it was you who did this when I asked the first question. Nothing but silence. And I thought, well, that's an answer, too. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to let you, the listener and the viewer, know that we are uh, Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and then, of course, our special edition of Tell Me Your Story on Wednesdays at 9 a.m., and we stream at those times at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, iTunes, I think. I don't know if it's the same or a little different, but doesn't matter. You'll find us because uh, we're right there on the Internet. Just uh, put in Tell Me Your Story, and boom, there you go. We're on YouTube where you can watch the these interviews you can see that lovely i tell it is it's a lovely beard you've got there leonard and uh i've thought about letting it grow that long but i'm gonna have it trimmed up and because i kind of like the professorial look you know uh, i don't have the jacket with the uh, uh the smoking jacket with the elbow patches but uh maybe something not yet not yet no <laughs> we also ask that if you will please uh support us financially we would re- greatly appreciate it folks if you can do so um and uh we have a paypal account It's there for your security as well as ours. And as I mentioned earlier in the program, participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, and spend time in that quiet, peaceful uh, inner cave, as uh, Leonard alluded to, listening to that still, small voice of encouragement, of of, of re-energization, if you will. A lot of great stuff. And finding out about who you really are. 
you who you really are. With that, Leonard, uh, I, I've taken to call this the the uh, rapid-fire game show portion of our program where right. we ask those three questions. And the first of those is, who is Leonard uh, Perlmutter? What well, is it? you know, uh, uh, my master, my meditation master uh, told us a little story. That's what comes to mind. Uh, I told a little story of a student who came up to him and asked him, are you enlightened? And in his own mind, my master thought to himself, well, if, if I say yes, that will be ego. If, if I said no, that would be a lie. So I said nothing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? Well, I think that the answer really is the same uh, as uh, before, and that is, uh, I, I, first of all, hope is a bankrupt uh, concept for me because it always denotes some fear mm. that something might not happen. Uh, but uh, I've never really had a desire uh, to do much of anything uh, except for to be in service to the truth mm. that is within me, that is me, having this human experience. Mm. So... Uh, if I pray for anything, is uh, the ability to uh, do just that, is to base my outer actions on my inner wisdom and uh, enjoy the journey. And this may follow with the same answer to this question. What is your life's purpose? I think that uh, my life's purpose is to know who I am. On all grades, levels, and degrees. I, I love the line from the Old Testament, I am that I am, and it applies to each one of us. And it told me that in that, I am perfect. By virtue of just being who I am, I am perfect. I don't have to do anything. It's kind of like what you said about uh, who you are. You don't have to do anything. You, you just be, just exist. And as, as you and I are on the same wavelength here, I just, uh, I want my will to be in service, in service to whoever comes along and needs something. And if I can provide it, I will. Uh, if they want to pay for it, fine. I'm not looking to acquire, quite honestly, anything. I came into this world with nothing. I don't care what Steve Martin said about how, you know, they say you can't take it with you. Well, I'm taking it with me. I don't want to take it with me. <laughs> you know, have, you ever, have you ever gone for a walk? Okay. And you just want to go for a walk and enjoy the, the outer world, okay, in that sense, as well as maybe even spend some time as you're walking in that inner world. And you don't want to carry anything. And some people are wearing backpacks or they're wearing side saddles or this or that. I just, I don't want to carry anything. So I don't want to carry anything into the next world. 
So that's kind of nice that you can't take it with you. So I'm, I'm excited. Uh, Leonard, thank you again for joining us here on the program. My pleasure, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Absolutely. We'll set up another date you. and time, and, uh, and, and we'll focus on another aspect of who and what we really are here on Tell Me Your Story. Thank you for listening to and watching as we continue these uh, series of programs for over 14 years, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, we thank you for being with us. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love. Talal.